Hi church family. I'm coming to you today via video to let you know that last Sunday in the evening, our family was exposed to someone who had COVID-19. As a result, we've been self-quarantined now for eight days. We're not showing any symptoms, but out of love and respect and concern for your safety, we've chosen not to be at church today. As a result, Josh Strange, who is an elder with the river, is going to be providing the word. Josh is going to do an amazing job. I've talked to him on the phone, and I know that God's given Josh a word just for you today. So Josh, with that, take it away, buddy. Good morning. That was a great introduction. I feel like I'm getting a Grammy. <laughs> but uh, as uh, Pastor Tyson said, my name is Josh Strange. I'm an elder at the river. Um, and I know many of you do not know me. Uh, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself and then we'll get into God's word if that is okay with you, just so you can get to know me a little bit. Um, my wife, Beth, here, my, my better half for sure is right here, um, and she, she works at Riley Hospital for Children. Um, I am a teacher at LaPelle High School. I teach history, um, the best subject, uh, I think, in, in the school the school has to offer. <laughs> Amen, thank you. Um, uh, but I also am an assistant football coach uh, at the high school, um, and we have been blessed with two wonderful kids who are not here today, Emily and Luke. It's not because they didn't want to hear Daddy talk, I hope. But they uh, got the opportunity to go see their papa and grandma, and, and they spent the weekend with them. So uh, that's a little bit about the Stranges. Um, and we are very blessed and very honored that uh, God has given us this opportunity to, to spread his word. Um, and, and also, please continue to keep uh, the priest family in, in, in your prayers. I know this is very difficult for them, because if you know them and their children, they are very much into uh, getting to talk with people and interact with people, so I know that this is a difficult time for them. So please continue to keep them in your thoughts and prayers as well as, as uh, everyone else that has been affected uh, by COVID-19. Uh, I also want to give a little recognition. I see some former students in here uh, that are thinking, oh, I got to hear him speak again. I, I heard him in class enough. I thought I was going to get away from him. Sorry, guys. Those rooms they were talking about, 210 and 201, those aren't for you guys. Okay, so, so but, all, but all jokes aside, uh, let's, let's go ahead and go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for the, the bodies that are in this church. Thank you for them being the light of the world. Thank you for them being the hands and feet of Jesus uh, hopefully we go out into the world to be refreshing to those that might not know our Lord and Savior. Uh, and it's in your son's mighty and precious name we pray. Amen. So I would like to talk about the last two weeks of what Pastor Tyson has kind of talked about to get us into this week. Uh, two weeks ago, if you, if you would please put on the overhead, uh, he talked about Psalm 133.1. If you brought your Bibles with you, uh, you can go ahead and look at that. Uh, he talks in Psalm 133, it says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. When we work together, it's a wonderful thing. And how strong and powerful we can be 
united together through Christ and take that to the world. And that was two weeks ago. Last week, if you don't mind, please put up there Psalm 133 too. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his, of his robe. When we act in unity, God pours his Holy Spirit on us, and it can be done. We can go out into the world and proclaim Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And at that point, we are working in unity. God has called us to take the word to others. He pours the Holy Spirit on us. Now, if we are divisive, as Pastor Tyson said last week, he pulls that Holy Spirit, he pours it less. We need to be strong and united. So that's kind of where we've been. Where we are going today is going to focus on how we are refreshed when we are in unity. How when we are together, we can bring refreshing to the world that that is so desperately what we need. And so starting with this, I, I started to look at all three, you know, two weeks ago, this last week, this week, there is one word that keeps popping up. Unity. Unity. To be unified in one. And as I looked at Merriam-Webster's dictionary, it says it is the quality or state of not being multiple. Oneness. We are one. We are one united through Christ. And, and as I stated earlier, uh, I, I help with coaching football at the high school. And I know a lot of students in here have heard me give analogies before or comparisons. Here I go again, I know. Um, and, and my poor wife, we were going back from spring break a couple years ago. This is just me. I know you guys might laugh at me at this point. We were coming back from spring break, and uh, we got into some traffic in, in a construction area, and we slowed down. And we were going about two to three miles an hour. And I said, hey, hey, honey, look, just stop for a second. Look outside. Oh, wow. I think she thought there was going to be an animal or something out there. And I said, we're going about the speed of a Conestoga wagon back in the day, and she looked at me like, here we go, another history lesson, okay? I, and then I went into, could you imagine how long it would take to get down here if we, if we were, and she's like, okay. But my point is, I'm going to give you a comparison here uh, that's kind of sports related uh, in, in how a group of people can come together united. Uh, and, and as I started to think about all the sports stories, I couldn't help but think about 1980. Now, in 1980, I was three years old, uh, but I've seen movies on this. I've, I've kind of read about it, The Miracle on Ice. Some of you might remember The Miracle on Ice. Uh, with the United States hockey team matched up against the Soviet Union. And you look at both teams. The United States had amateur college hockey players. The Soviet Union had the most talented. And people were talking about, well... United States team can't win. They, they can't do it, let alone are they going to score a goal. Now, how many of us have had that chatter in our life? The doubt. The doubt. It's always there. The enemy is always trying to attack. And in this case, the doubters are attacking the United States hockey team. They did not focus on that. They focused on one goal, being united. 
What was that one goal? Win. Well, you know, people didn't think they'd even score a goal. Well, they end up scoring four, and they win four to three. They defeat the Soviet Union four to three. And there's a part of, I know Disney, I think, put on a movie, Miracle on Ice and all that, and there's a famous quote in there, and I want to read this, that actor Kurt Russell uh, says, he's acting as Coach Herb Brooks, and he says this, I have to read this because I can't memorize this. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. You were born to be hockey players, every one of you, and you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. If somebody gave you that speech, wouldn't you be ready? I mean, we got to look at what he is saying here. And, and when I think of that, I think about putting that into context for us as people of believers. And I kind of put this together. 2.4 billion, there are more than 2.4 billion Christians in the world. And if, if I'm not real good at math, I teach history, so uh, that's, <laughs> that's, I remember dates usually, but that's about it. Uh, but that is about 31% of the world's population. 31% of the world's population are Christians. God has placed you here for a reason. He has. Every single one of us here have been placed here for a reason. Now, what is that? God has chosen you to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ when we go out to the world. That is our goal. And then the last thing, when he said, you were meant to be here, this is your time. I can't help but think about this is your time to impact as many lives as you can around the world. Let it be done. And so we've got to look at, yes, I know I'm comparing a sports story to our faith, but I think we've got to look at what does the greatest resource the Bible, say about unity, because unity is a very powerful word. If you, if you would, please put up uh, the 133rd book of Psalms, verse 3, and it says this, if you have brought, if, if it is as if dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessings, even life forevermore. Now, we've got to kind of understand a couple things in this scripture to understand what's being said. Hermon was a mountain, and it was north of Israel, stood about 9,000 feet tall. It was the largest mountain in the region, and um, it was covered in snow. You obviously know anything about high altitude, there's always snow. Uh, when I think of this, I can't help but think about when I was in high school, we took a three-week vacation out west, and uh, one of the stops that I vaguely remember, uh, we took a train ride from Durango, Colorado to Silvertown. And it was 80 degrees in the train, but you look up in the mountains, there's still snow because the altitude, right? Well, Hermon is a mountain that stands at 9,000 feet tall, and it's one of the highest points in the country. So understand that it has snow covering it, and on cool summer nights with the degree temperature, it can provide dew. Okay, so we're going to talk about dew here in a second. But Zion is located in Jerusalem, and it is the Temple Mount. So what do we get as an image from this scripture? Moisture flows from the highest point to the lowest. So think about this. The mountain is tall, 9,000 feet tall. It's got snow. 
it provides moisture that flows down to everyone else. We are below God. God is up, he is the high point. We are low. When we acknowledge him and we look to him, he is going to provide his presence. He will flow into our presence. But there is one thing that it will do. It will refresh us. It will refresh us, and it will refresh those that we encounter and the rest of the world. So the main point here is when we dwell in unity, we can expect that which is above us to flow through us to the land, to be good examples of his love to others. Now, do is referenced here. Do is refreshing. Think about this. Do provides moisture to a lot of things. Uh, if, you, if you know anything about cactus plants uh, in the desert, I did some research on this. Based on Stoller Academy, it says that they have stomata. Stomata, they also are surrounded by body cells. But what this stomata does for the cactus is it stores dew. Stomata has two roles. One is when you learn about trees and so on and so forth, carbon dioxide and oxygen to transfer. Okay, that's one of the, the roles of stomata. But the second is to open up at night in the desert and accept any kind of moisture because dew happens when there is a change in temperature. So when we look at dew, it is refreshing. It is refreshing to plants. It's also refreshing to us. Another thing I think of when I think of dew, and I'm, I may give you guys a headache when I do this, so please don't be upset. Uh, but when I think of dew, you know, you have those moments in life that uh, you hear, are, as my, Beth's uh, mother would often refer to them, Beth's mom went to be with the Lord about 15 years ago, and, uh, and there's just something that Beth always says and refers to when we have moments like this. It was a kiss from God. So this morning, I was going over the notes, and she went out to water the flowers, and she came back and said, this rose kind of stood out to me, and it had dew on it. And I instantly, just my jaw dropped. Okay, because this next referencing point, I'm going to attempt to start singing a hymnal. So please, you're going to get a headache, I'm going to tell you right now. But I would prefer if you know it, you join along with me so we can kind of focus on do. How many of you have heard, I come to the garden alone? Okay. I grew up at Trinity United Methodist Church, and we sang this hymn, and it was always something that kind of meant something to me. And I'm going to attempt to sing, so please join along. Okay. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. On my ear, Son of God discloses, and He walks with me, and He talks with me, and He tells me I am His own, 
and the joy we share as we tarry there. None other has ever known. Give yourself a round of applause. That was beautiful. I had to stop singing, so thank you. Now, isn't that song refreshing? It, it, when you listen to those words, it's refreshing. Do is refreshing. And so when we look at do providing refreshness or refreshing to cactus, to us, to all these things, what can we learn from all of this? Brothers and sisters, we all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different cultures. We, come, we have different likes, dislikes. But we all have one common goal. We have one common familiarity, and that's the love of Jesus Christ. So let's look at going back to do for just a second. Understand do is always there. It's always in the atmosphere. It only manifests to the ground when there's a change in temperature. That's when you get do. So if we expect to see the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, we, myself included, must change in our temperature towards God. We must challenge ourselves to be more for God and the world. That's what we need. And that will bring refreshment to all. To all. Also, if you don't mind, put up Revelation 3.16. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold... I am about to spit you out of my mouth. There's one word here that basically says it all. Lukewarm. Lukewarm. If I were an emoji, <laughs> and I were lukewarm, meh, or meh, whatever, meh, eh, just lukewarm, right? Lukewarm to many, it deals with temperature. You like your cold water, your cold iced tea. You know, you go out, I go out and mow the yard. I get excited walking inside. I'm ready for some sweet tea. I've never thought about drinking it lukewarm. It might be good. I don't know. I've never, never attempted that. But what else does lukewarm mean? If you look at Merriam-Webster's dictionary, it also means half-hearted. Half-hearted. To be lukewarm is half-hearted. Jesus here is describing the church of Laodicea as lukewarm. What was going on during Jesus' time in life, people at festivities would, uh, official festivities, would, would it'd be customary to have either cold drinks or hot drinks. Not lukewarm. Okay? So to be lukewarm means, temperature-wise there, obviously it means between hot or cold, but it means to be half-hearted. Laodicea did not have a water resource. There was a nearby city, Heropolis, that had hot springs. But by the time the water would get from the hot springs through the aqueducts to Laodicea, the water would be lukewarm. Okay? So that's a little bit to understand there with the water, with the analogy. But when we take this and put it into spiritual context, what does this mean? God is excited when we are on fire 
for him. We aren't lukewarm. When we are on fire for him, he loves that. Going to others, being led by the Holy Spirit. But it does not mean be lukewarm. So what does lukewarm mean spiritually? It means to do the bare minimum for, for that same God that gave us everything. To be lukewarm, and I'll say this again because this is, I think this is a very powerful message and something that I myself also need to remind myself of. To be lukewarm spiritually means to do the bare minimum for the, our God that gave us everything we have. Unity is refreshing, like dew is to the desert, like dew is to the rose. Unity is refreshing. We come together in this wonderful place. We come together being unified for one common theme. How do we take that to the rest of the world? Because it is refreshing to do that. We all come from different backgrounds, different likes, dislikes, you name it. But we all have one common need, and that is the need of a Savior. And we need to take His focus and spread it to the world to be refreshing. And not only will it refresh us as a church... It's refreshing to those that look towards us because we are setting that example for the rest of the world. How many of you have seen someone that you say, wow, I, I love being around that individual. They just lift me up. That's what we need to be as a group. How refreshing would that be? Because in today's world, that's what we need. You know, as they were saying earlier, you turn on the news, you find all these things that are going on, there's something missing. We have to be, we have to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ and uplift those and be refreshing and bring more to know about their Lord and Savior. In closing, I'd like to invite the worship team to come on up as they're, as they're coming on up. I really want to give a story that talks about a couple of individuals being refreshing in the most difficult time anyone could face. Many of you have probably studied World War II, and you know a lot about World War II, but I'm going to talk a little bit about 1937 in Germany. 1937, one of the largest concentration camps in Germany was Buchenwald. There were about 56,000 people that were killed there due to religious beliefs. Uh, and, and some of the regime saw the Christian faith as a threat due to ideology. And, and when I hear this story, it gets to me. There are two individuals I want to focus on. One of the block cells in the camp was reserved for prisoners that they said were dangerous, that people would listen to. 
And these two individuals, one of them, his name was Paul Schneider. He was a Lutheran pastor. Think about this. In a concentration camp, all of the awful things that are going on there, he finds time to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. They put him in a cell because he's deemed dangerous. He doesn't stop. He's not lukewarm. He's on fire. He gives the message in defiance of the orders of the Gestapo. He still gives the message. Folks, that's not lukewarm. Another individual, Otto Nur, he was a Catholic priest who was also put in that block, in that cell. He also continued to spread the word. Later, he would be killed. I want you to think about this. A Catholic and a Protestant working together on one common unity. The Lord and Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They could have easily been lukewarm. I'll find my time in my cell and I will make my time and not worry about anybody else around in these difficult times. I will give in to anyone else's orders. That wasn't them. They believed in something more powerful. And that, to me, tells me how unity is so powerful. If we make that focus on the cross, we can be so refreshing to the world. Think about the refreshness, refreshness, <laughs> sorry, that they brought to those other individuals that were in the concentration camp. In a time where everything was very, very difficult. Are we working in unity for the name of Jesus Christ? Are we being refreshing to the world like do is on other things. I hope so. God wants us to be on fire for him. And when others see us in unity, it is very refreshing. In closing, I'd like to bring Aaron uh, on up, and I'll be down here. If you are someone that has not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, please come up. We will pray with you. Um, if you just want to come up and kneel and just say, God, here I am. I'm done with being lukewarm. I'm ready to be on fire. I invite you to come on up as the band finishes. <laughs>